Welcome to this BJSM podcast. I'm Jill Cook, Deputy Editor of BJSM. Today we have Associate Professor Greta Mikkelbus from Norway as our guest. Many of you may know of Greta's papers in ACL prevention in young athletes and their treatment. To discuss her research with her today is Jodie McClellan from La Trobe University. Jodie's experience is in the biomechanics of the knee in the normal and injured state. Jodie has the knowledge to extract the best information from Greta about her research and its impact on the clinical management of those with and at risk of ACL injury. I'll now hand over to Jodie and Greta. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Jill. Thank you very much. Um, so, Greta, obviously you're based in Norway and we have listeners from all over the world. So to give everyone some background, can you tell us about the typical management in Norway for people who injure their ACLs? Yes, I would love to. Uh, you know, uh, Norway is a quite small country, and in Norway we have about 4,000 ACL injuries every year. And uh, among those 4,000, approximately 2,000 of them will get a reconstruction of their, of their ACL. And the other 2,000 follow a, a non-operatively treatment, but they have a lot of uh, physical therapy with strength training, balance training, and see if they can uh, success by not having a reconstruction if their knee stays stable and they can do the activities they like to do. Okay, that sounds like it's quite uh, specific to Norway. So um, it seems like a lot fewer people go immediately for surgery in Norway than they do in other parts of the world. Is that true? I think that's true because uh, uh, I know that the top elite athletes who plays in in pivoting sports they usually do a rehab between six and eight weeks and we ensure that they have full range of motion in their knee that they have uh, got to keep their uh, strength no effusion so the the knee is functioning quite well then we uh, send them to the reconstruction but this is mostly for the elite athletes who want to go back to the pivoting sports Uh, most um, athletes at recreational level and people who injure the ACL uh, and are not uh, on a um, top elite level, uh, they, they actually do the rehab for a quite long time, uh, six months, and try to see how well the knee can function without the reconstruction. And this way of treating uh, patients are quite normal in, in the northern countries uh, in North Europe. Right. So six months is quite a decent amount of rehab. Um, what are the return to sport rates like after that rehab without the surgery? You know, it depends on, on the type of sport because if you're going back to, you know, the pivoting sport like uh, soccer, handball, uh, they need to have, probably they need to have their ACL reconstruction because sending, sending them back without an ACL is probably uh, quite scary regarding their meniscus and, and so forth. So, so um, people who are not getting reconstructed, they are, they are maybe playing tennis, they are running, they are doing the string training, they are biking, and you can function very well without an ACL reconstruction if you don't go back to pivoting sports. That leads me perfectly into my next question, which is um, for many people who have an ACL injury, there's sometimes a perception that a reconstruction is needed or a lot of rehab is needed so that they can do all of the things that they used to do before their injury. Uh, Do you think that that's appropriate? Should people with ACL reconstruction or ACL injury return to high-level pivoting sports like netball and handball? 
Uh, it's a good question, and and in a way it's difficult to answer because for their knee health, they probably shouldn't go back to their pivoting sports because we know that the risk of getting early away is high among those uh, young athletes who are going back because by doing or making um, their ACL reconstruction, they will have a stable knee and then it makes them possible to go back to their sport. And what we know, if you go back to your sport, you have a quite high risk of getting a re-injury of, of the same knee and even a higher risk of rupturing the opposite knee. And this is quite, we see that a lot in, a lot in most of these pivoting sports that we have here in Norway. Yeah, sure. Um, so just on that, is there, are there any risk factors about um, which people are more likely to re-injure their knee or even to get an ACL injury in the first place? Do we know much about what particular, who is most at risk of, those, of that injury? Uh, of course, being a young female in these pivoting sports is a risk factor, maybe the strongest risk, risk factor. We also know that playing matches in these different sports, for example in handball, which is uh, my sport, playing matches, uh, you have 30 times higher risk of getting an ACL injury compared to the training sessions. So, of course, the, those risk factors are, are high, sex and, and um, playing matches. Uh, of course, we know there are a lot of things about females compared to males which increase their risk to get an ACL injury. Yeah, we do. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? So is it um, the change in mechanics of landing in, in young females or are there other factors that contribute to that there at that age? Mm, I think it's, it's probably many, many answers for that. Uh, the thing that uh, females have less strength than their male counterparts, they have more loose ligaments, uh, it's not a good thing for the female and probably also it's a it's an age um, group we, we see that there are a lot of ACL injuries among their 15 16 7 years old girls and maybe a lot of them do uh, play too many matches compared to the amount of training they have uh, to the amount of safety training which I call it to do their um, coordination balance technique training which but probably prevent them the injuries more than if we uh, let them play uh, on many teams because we see that that a lot of these young girls play on the under 16 the 18 team the the elite team and then they don't have time to do this uh, this safety training which we can call it that and they probably have no time to to really relax and get uh, their body to to, to feel better and to relax after a lot of, of activities. So I think there are many reasons why we see a lot of these injuries among the young girls. That's a, a really interesting point that you make about the, the demands on, on young athletes and playing in, in um, higher levels, I guess. What is it about the match, uh, playing in a match that it is, produces a greater risk of injury rather as opposed to the training situation? You know that uh, when we play um, matches, the, the speed is much higher, the intensity is much higher, and, and we also know that the amount of time played by those who get injured are high. So we also know that there are some positions on the court, for example, that the players who does most, most of the cutting movements, um, most of the, uh, the landing situations, 
they are at higher risk than players who plays uh, who play in different uh, other other um, positions on the on the field. So I think the high speed, the high intensity, and the high number of, of matches is really a, a risk factor for those, especially the young girls. Yeah, right. I, I presume also that um, the younger players that go back to playing after injury, um, they're also exposed to a lot more a lot more years of playing than older athletes who might go back, and that also would increase the risk. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, probably. Of course, if you play ten years, you have a higher risk than than those who maybe stop after three, four years. Yeah. <clears throat> probably. Yeah. Um, also, uh, is there much um, evidence for recommending a modification of the activities that these athletes return to? So is it um, appropriate to recommend that, that uh, these athletes don't go back to, to pivoting and cutting sports? And if you do recommend it, um, are they likely to do that? Are they likely to modify the activities that they participate in? Well, when I get an um, ACL injured patient, um, I always talk with them. Uh, about the risk of continuing doing the sport, um, and and I, I tell them that you have a risk, increased risk of getting early away, but if you do uh, your rehab well, uh, really use time for the rehab and don't go back to your sport too early, uh, and maybe most important, do the prevention stuff for that sport and continue doing that when you start playing you probably reduce your, the risk of getting a re-injury. Uh, but even though if I tell them about the risk of, of uh, maybe all earlier away and things like that, the, they have to choose themselves about if they go back or not. And if you are 16-year-old, you love your sport, then you do your get your reconstruction, you do your rehab, and you go back to your sport. And then I think it's so important that we as um, physical therapists and physicians really tell them that they need to use time after the reconstruction because if you really rehab well, both physically and mentally, uh, and do the prevention stuff um, uh, and continue doing it when you start playing, then you can really reduce the risk of getting a new injury with 50%. That's very true. Um, just to pick up on what you were talking about, the prevention uh, rehab that you uh, recommend for these players, can you talk a little bit more about that? So I presume that it's the prevention rehab after an injury, but also prior to any injuries in, in um, uh, these people at high risk as well. You know, I'm, I'm really, uh, I think it's so important that we do the prevention stuff before the first injury, because if we can avoid the first injury, we... It's so important for the person, the, their team, the sport, and for the health authorities because it's so expensive to to have these ACL injuries. So, of course, we have to do the primary prevention, try to avoid the first injury. And if they get an injury, go back to their play. The, the player and the team should do the prevention uh, program for that sport. And we know that there are a lot of prevention programs out there that really function well and that we can reduce the risk of getting ACL injuries with 50%. And if we can do that, I can't understand why not everybody is doing it because, you know, no one, no one wants to have an ACL injury and not in the first place and not uh, after a reconstruction. So coaches, players and all of us should really 
push forward to do this uh, do this uh, prevention exercises exercises program. And uh, what is it about these programs that seem to be the most important in preventing ACL injuries? What are the factors that are involved in these prevention programs, and what works essentially? Um, the prevention programs that uh, are shown to to work, they actually include running exercises, balance coordination exercises, strength training, and technique training. And of course, we would love to have, we could have said to the athlete, okay, if you do those three exercises only, use five minutes on that three times a week, you reduce the risk of ACL injuries with 50%. But by now, we don't know if which of these exercises or the, the types of exercises that work. So maybe it's the, the combination of all of these uh, exercises that uh, protect the athlete from having an ACL injury. So... Uh, by now, we actually have to say to the team, to the coach, to the players, you have to do running exercises with focusing on the hip, knee, toe control. You have to get strong muscles in, in actually your whole body. You have to do balance coordination exercises. And we always talk a lot about the hip, knee, toe in line movement, have better neuromuscular control, uh, and try to influence the way they are doing the technique. For example, in many sports, there are a lot of one-leg landings. And we know if you land on two legs, it's far more better because one of the, one of the risk factors are one-leg landing in many sports. We know in a lot of cutting sports, a wide cut increased the, the, the knee valgus load. And if you teach these young uh, athletes to have a smaller cut. We all we also are uh, working in a, in an important way to prevent the injury. So there are a lot of aspects we need to go into to to uh, prevent uh, injuries. And and um, I think we need to just put all this stuff, all these type of exercises, into the warm up, and maybe not call it a prevention program because everybody thinks that's really boring. So call it a warm-up program or a program that enhances your performance. Because if you talk about that you are getting a better player, a better athlete, if you do these exercises, probably they will do the exercises more often. So are you recommending um, or would you recommend that everyone in the team do these specific exercises uh, to prevent the initial injury? Or should the, should, um, the prevention programs be targeted at, at people who are high risk or at sports who are high risk? Um, I, I would have loved to say that uh, we know that uh, there are some athletes should do it and others could drop it. But so far, the, the, the research hasn't really pointed out that there are uh, a few athletes maybe are at high risk. We, we have been talking a lot about the drop jump test. Uh, and if you go into valgus, knee valgus in a drop jump test, drop jump test you increase the risk of getting an ACL injury, but there are conflicting results in the in the science uh, regarding that question. But of course, if you have um, you have your team, you have your athletes, try to do a drop jump test, and and if the athletes get into a valgus collapse, of course they need to do um, uh, rehab training and prevention training. So so by the knowledge that we have today, I think. We have to let every 
athlete on the team do the same program. But probably if you see that there are uh, young young athletes who who uh, who um, have maybe a bad way of doing the cutting, uh, land more on one leg than two legs. They maybe have even more training than the others. But I think a lot of this stuff has to be implemented in a warm up, and don't talk about it as a prevention stuff. It's it's uh, you enhance your performance if you do this. Uh, these exercises and you reduce the risk of getting injuries not only in your knee but also in your ankle. Um, that's true and uh, I guess as a, as a, if you're selling it as a warm-up um, regime or a warm-up uh, program then I, I guess that that's going to improve the adherence for sports players to be able to maintain um, that sort of uh, training over the course of their sports career I guess. Have you had any experience with that or have you looked at whether adherence is a big part of um, the success of the prevention rehab or programs? Absolutely. Adherence to the program is essential. So uh, most of the studies that have shown uh, success in reducing the number of ACL injuries has an adherence of the program about 70%. If you have a, the, the follow-up from the players and team are down to 40, 45, 50%, uh, the success is not that high. So, of course, the players has to do the program, uh, and that's why I think it's so important to work this out. Uh, so, so it's an, a normal part of training. It's not a special thing that we are doing uh, twice a week because someone has told us that that is important. It should just be a part of normal training. And, and if we do that, I think we can continue to keep these numbers low. Um, we have succeeded quite well in Norwegian handball by, by really pushing hard on the, on the adherence with these kind of um, exercises, uh, trying to, to give the knowledge out to the coaches. So, so by this, we actually have reduced the number of ACL injuries uh, among the three top-level divisions with 50%. But we can't stop now because if we stop working with the, this implementation, the adherence stuff, uh, the, probably the numbers will go up again. So it's a, a thing we have to do all the time. That's great. It's great that you've been able to reduce the risk of injury um, quite substantially. So I'm wondering, have, um, and have you looked at the effectiveness of these programs or this warm-up um, programs uh, at preventing re-injury when players come back from an initial uh, ACL injury? No, we, we haven't actually don't do that because, um, you know, trying to follow these ACL uh, injured uh, people is not so easy and, and um, then we should have had the individual um, um, individual um, uh, look at the individual amount of, of, of prevention training on every athlete and we don't have that. So we have only looked at the, the whole team and we don't know what each athlete has done. So uh, probably that would have been great to have um, numbers and see if if the injured athletes do a lot of prevention training, good, good rehab, they reduce the risk of getting an ACL injury. But we don't have that number yet. I think that... Um is really a really interesting point. At the moment in research around um, ACL reconstruction, there, there's been a lot of emphasis on uh, the use of registries 
um, to follow, to collect information about people who have ACL reconstructions and to see what their outcomes are like a long time after their surgery. Um, and that appears to have been quite useful, but unfortunately, there seems to be a lot more difficulty in collecting the same amount of data from people who have injuries who don't go into ACL surgery. Um, is this a, do you see that this is a problem and do you have any ideas about how we might be able to address this? <laughs> I, I, I know that um, we are really happy about the registries uh, because we got the information about um, re-injuries among those who want to go back and get a new uh, reconstruction, but we don't know what happens with those who had a reconstruction, injure themselves and don't go back to get a new reconstruction. But of course the registry gave us a lot of nice information about that uh, and looking at the revision rate, so th that's really good. We also get information about um, associated uh, injuries to the knee and how they really function in the daily life by having questionnaires like the cools. Um, but uh, as you said, um, the 50% the of people who don't get the reconstruction, we don't know so much about that. There are some isolated studies that have looked at how well you can function with a rehab program um, and doing really hard strength and, and strength training and a lot of balance coordination training. And they have shown that you, you really function well uh, if you do this training uh, over time. So, um, but uh, today we don't know an, uh, enough about the, the non-reconstructed group and it would have been fantastic if we could put also this group of, um, of people into a registry and follow them and maybe that could give us the answer if, um, if it's a good choice not to get a reconstruction or, or vice versa. Absolutely. I, I think that it would be particularly interesting to um, follow up, uh, be able to follow up people who have reconstruction and those who don't, particularly in terms of the development of um, osteoarthritis, which, as you mentioned earlier, is quite a, um, there's quite a high risk of developing OA after an ACL injury. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, is there a high risk of developing osteoarthritis? Oh yes, it is. It's really a high risk of getting early away, and we know that uh, 10 years after um, after an ACL injury, about 20% uh, uh, have uh, signs of uh, away. If you go further away, um, you have uh, about 50% of the uh, the people who get an ACL injury get an early away 20 years after the reconstruction or the injury. And what's also interesting to know is that uh, getting the reconstruction don't protect you for having early OA. So it seems to be the same numbers if you reconstruct or not in regard to early OA. So, so uh, of course we have a really big problem with them that the knees are getting getting uh, bad quite early, and that makes it even more uh, important to really enhance the prevention stuff we really get this into the to the to the sports every sport and 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 really prioritize prevention instead of doing rehab which is which we mostly are paid for to do the rehab but we should be also paid for doing prevention because it's so important both primary and secondary prevention of course the fun thing i can say is that um, we have at the also sport Trauma Research Centre, we had uh, together with IOC 
um, made a new app which is available in many languages, English, French, um, Chinese, Russian, um, and it's called Get Set, and and it's uh, free for everybody. And if you use that, you will you will see that all the prevention exercises that uh, have been done or made in different countries in different sports are into that app. So uh, it could be an easy way to to let your athletes and the coaches to to be inspired to find exercises that prevent uh, severe knee injuries and ACL injuries. Well, thank you so much to both of you. You have provided great insights into the management and prevention of ACLs. And thank you on behalf of BJSM for providing your insights into this difficult problem. 